Hello everyone, welcome back to the Hawkins Do You Coffee podcast. My name is Lauren. And my name is Emily, and in this podcast we talk about all things Stranger Things. Yes, today we are going to be talking about something which was another Tumblr question. We got asked about the parents of Stranger Things. We're just really embracing the Tumblr questions at the moment. That's, yeah. that's, our, that's our thing right now, it's our, it's our new branding. Thanks for giving us... <laughs> podcast ideas um but the parents of the show is something which i have actually been really excited to mm. talk about anyway and we did a podcast back in the very beginning which was about the adults of the show but we sort of spoke about you know just the, the main ones we didn't go too much into sort of some of the other parents and other adults that we have and we spoke about them as adults rather than as parents and i mm. know they are both but I think it's interesting to sort of look at the way that they parent and how them being a parent impacts the show. Yeah it was definitely kind of early days of let's just talk about the characters so we kind of I think we combined them with Jonathan and Nancy and I think Steve was thrown in there for good measure that kind of thing so yeah as you said we haven't really focused on how actually that's impacted and how that's put on the kids as well like how they've been parented and the influences so it'd be nice but before we get into that you can find us on spotify apple podcast google podcast and stitcher as well as on social media on facebook twitter and instagram at hawkins podcast and on tumblr and youtube at hawkins do you copy well done it's been a week a lot of information (laughs) it is it's been a week i i had a rest and it was a lot harder than i expected to get back into that there we go Right, shall we start with Hawkins' very own, to quote Nancy, nuclear family and dive straight in with the wheelers? Yeah, let's start a bit with Karen and Ted. So Mm -hmm. I, I, I love me the wheeler family. There's so many comparisons, and I think I said this before, in the World Turn Upside Down book between the wheelers and the buyers. And it's something that's kind of been reflected throughout. And I think actually... Their parenting styles, if we're talking more about parenting in particular, they, they're they both similar, but they're different. So yeah. I think it's a case of Karen, not to diminish their character, but I thought if we talk about Karen first, I think Karen kind of does what she thinks is right. Whereas yeah. we're go- we'll get properly into Joyce in a second anyway, but whereas Joyce kind of does what she knows is right. And yeah. will, yeah, but in the nicest possible way. So Karen, and this is reflected in like the way the houses are and that kind of thing as well, is very much, this is how I should be presented and this is how my family should yeah. be presented. So everything is very perfect. Everything is up to date. It's modern, it's new. And I think you can even see that in the way that, say, Nancy and Mike are dressed, for example, or even Holly, but we don't we don't really see holly too much so we'll focus on nancy and mike at the moment that it's very everything fits everything kind of looks pristine everything has to be this is what my child should look like and that's not saying that's the wrong way of going about it but in karen's mind that's how that's how we should function and i think she kind of has this idea of what was before this kind of idea of reputation to keep up and she has to be the one to busy herself and make sure everything's okay and everything has to be great and I think actually when we see in season two when she has that switch when suddenly this this family that was kind of presented in season one as being you know we're we know exactly what's going on and it turns out that actually they don't have a clue what's going on we see that yeah. break down and when she's reading the romance novel and nearly has an affair with everyone's favourite character, Billy Hargrove. Um, and That whole subplot yeah. just... <laughs> just really... I'm just not a fan of it. Like, I don't think lots of people are anyway. Like, mm. I don't think it's, like, anyone's favourite thing. But um, yeah. I think even that she considered it, I mm. know she doesn't go through with it, but just the idea that it was like not even considered in a moment of it wasn't even minimal in the sense that she was kind of like oh yeah I think he's attractive Mm. it was like I'm actually gonna plan a time and get ready to go meet him like it wasn't even 
you know, because people are going to find other people attractive, you know, like that, it, it, you might see someone in a, you might be in a relationship, see someone and be like, okay, they're, you know, they look nice, but it's the concept that she sort of went to go through with it, you know, mm. like she was unsure, but she did get to the point where she was ready to go out and meet him. Mm. Um, well, the only thing that stopped what... her was Holly, essentially laying yeah. on Ted. The... Yeah, and you just sort of think, where where did that come from? Like, what? Why did she marry Ted? You know, did mm. they love each other at one point? Was it was it a romantic thing, or was it because she was expected to get married and have kids and live? Uh, life and perfect life you know I mean it is also in the 80s and I know the 80s wasn't technically that long ago but Mm. it was a time ago where sort of those things were still expected and women were sort Mm. of seen as like the homemaker and get married and you have kids and that's what women do Mm. and with like Joyce and stuff you know like her kid goes missing and Karen's like okay so I'll take a casserole it's like Joyce doesn't need a casserole right now. Like mm. that's not that's not what is needed. Like she doesn't need a casserole. She needs people to listen to her. And like it was almost like Karen sort of did a tick box of okay, so I'll take a casserole and have a chat with her. But she didn't actually listen to what Joyce was saying. Not at all. She doesn't actually comprehend what Joyce is saying. And I think even later on when they go to where the, the lab are at wheeler's house and they're saying like oh she's l's very dangerous and you know don't listen to obviously we see this in season two but it's supposed to have been happened after season one um mm. mike and just like, aged really dramatically within a yeah. couple of hours <laughs> yeah a couple of hours yeah but he's but they're sort of saying that and you think if that was me i'd be thinking okay so joyce was talking about weird stuff there was this girl like but even then they don't process or they don't want to process it's like okay this does not fit into this box that we have created for ourselves in the world therefore we cannot properly comprehend it as a thing that happened she's interesting because um obviously no i'm not going to spoil the show but we've been watching it's a sin recently (laughs) and it's not yeah please watch it if you haven't watched it watch it it's heavy um i don't know if it's going to be on in america I don't know if it's on in America it's, or if it's coming later. It's HBO in America, I think. Oh, it's okay. phenomenal. It is mm. absolutely phenomenal. Mm. Please, yeah, please watch. It's, it, it's yeah, it's really good. The Obviously, Karen isn't quite the same as the mum in that. But that kind of idea of when... Richie's mum. Yeah, Richie's mum. Yeah, Richie's mum. That's like kind of like the idea of she always say that you can talk to me about anything you can talk to me about anything and in a way that Richie's mum in the show I'm trying not to say anything but it's very hard um it's kind of that same personality in a way and actually even their whole household obviously the context is very different uh very different um but it's kind of that very put together that everything has to fit in a certain box so Richie's mum and dad are very much like oh you have to go and study law because that's what you do yeah. and then richie's like no i want to do drama um and, and that's like know. the end of the world for them they're like exactly. absolutely not this this isn't going to give you anything and it's like well yes it, it can um and mm. you know you can't just again the show is set in the 80s um yeah so it, it does sort of show that thing that sort of you know, it's like putting it in a box and fitting yeah. in these sort of lines that they've been told have to exist but they don't have to exist yeah and that's what's kind of interesting because i i kind of as i said i get those kind of vibes in a sense from the wheelers in a way and i won't spoil any more of it's a sin i'm not gonna i'm moving away from that show now but it's kind of the idea please go and watch it yeah (laughs) please go um it's kind of that switch you see with karen though in season three i think it's when nancy goes I can't remember if this is, yeah, this is before the fairground thing happens when Nancy goes home and Karen and yes. Nancy have that talk. And they're that's just like one of my favourite scenes. On. Yeah. I think that's really nice. I think for her, we kind of, 
as you said, it is that switch for Karen that she's kind of more actually, you know what, maybe we don't have to fit into this predetermined yeah. box. Actually, when we see then Ted, Karen and Holly at the fairground, it's like they are like this nice family unit. So I'll be really interested to see where Karen, I think in particular, and even Ted, um, go season four onwards. Because I think she has yeah. had that change. And when Mike comes home after the buyers have left and just hugs her, she immediately, you know, she knows that something is wrong. He doesn't even have to say anything. And she's just like, no, yeah. okay, let, let's go for it. And I think that's so different because obviously, like, it happens in season one as well where they think they found Will's body. Um, mm. And she gives him that hug. But I just feel like the hug at the end of season three is so much more... Like, it just mm. feels a lot different because I think that he... Like, yeah, I just, I think she sort of processed a lot more yeah. when it comes to that with, with it. And, and it just, it does feel different. And I do wonder if the whole sort of thing with Billy and then seeing Holly and Ted and she did just kind of think, actually, you know, well, I, I can't do this and I'm going to have to sort of try and change things. And then she has the chat with Nancy. And then, mm. um, like you said, at the fair, that kind of, it feels a lot more fun, you know, like yeah. when she sort of, says she slipped him a five so they could watch the view and she's mm. sort of joking with Ted and making Ted do things and they're sort of just mm. having this like fun time and I feel like that was sort of a really important change for mm. for her particularly and mm. I mean we don't follow a Ted storyline outside of the house you know we, we follow a Karen storyline outside of the house but we don't follow a Ted storyline mm. um and I don't know, I just, I don't like the Billy subplot and I don't think that any of that was particularly necessary, but I do think that she became better after realising, no, I actually can't do this. He's the same age as my daughter. Yeah. But um, I think it's, I think that it did have that change, so... Mm. I, like I guess that. he's good for something. And let's move on to Ted. <laughs> Who is Ted? Who is Ted Wheeler? We don't even, I mean, that also, I just want to say that sounded like we were just completely being horrible about Karen. I really like Karen. I think yeah. she's underrated and I think she has some really, really good moments within the show. And I do think she genuinely cares about her kids and her family. I think she's just for so long expected and been told that things have to be a certain way and now I feel like she's had a switch where she's realized that that's not the case yeah um so like you said you just sort of want to see how that furthers on but Ted yeah who is Ted Wheeler who is he what does he do so Ted Wheeler the more I think about it actually kind of frustrates me because mm. he has those moments in season one where I, well, I feel like in season two and even season three he's kind of been put into the not even like the comedy dad role, but just that kind of idea of he doesn't care, he doesn't do this. But actually there are moments in season one when he does. Like he was like when mm. he fixes Mike's tie and helps him to do that before the funeral. And then there's moments I think it's when Will's body's been found and he's like, Shall I go downstairs and speak to him? That kind of thing. So there are those few moments and we do see that with him, even if he does just sit at the table yeah. and read the paper and that kind of thing Do so, chicken Ted yeah that, it's he's frustrating I, it would be interesting I don't know if we've spoken about this before actually on here whether it's a thing of does he know more than he knows is there going to be like a secret storyline for him where he's like but actually I've been working for the FBI this entire time <laughs> oh, you, like, I would that, love that I mean I would I would expect it from Mr. Clark, not gonna lie, I'm still waiting for him to even know too much. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah, Mr. Clark, like, knows way too much. Way too much. Like, he knows everything. He knows mm. everything. I don't mm. care what anybody says. He is aware of everything. Surely. But back to Ted. Mr. Clark is not a father. Um, <laughs> well, we might be. We don't know. We don't. Maybe he's got a secret child. But in this context, absolutely not. Um, Ted is, I don't know, I want more Ted Wheeler, I think, actually. And I think if Mike has an interesting storyline in season four, which I'm hoping for, um, 
I would be interested to see how things are going to work. Because objectively, mm -hmm. Mike as a character at this point, he... It sounds dramatic to say he's lost everything. But at this point, he's lost his girlfriend and he's lost Will. And of course, he's still got all the friends at home. But out of all the characters in the last shot, he was the one that had the lingering shot to the house, which to me suggests he's not going to be doing too good with it. So it will be interesting to see how Ted and Karen deal with that. Because also at this yeah. point, he's going to be, what, 15? 15? Yeah. 15. So he's at that, he's at that age. Stressful age. Stressful age. He's, he's at that stressful age. And I think it's going to be... 15. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how Ted deals with that. Because yeah. whenever he, like in season two, when he used to sit in the basement all day and then just disappeared to Will's for a week, he was just like, well, <laughs> he doesn't live here anymore. And I think there's only so much we can do that with and yeah. i think we need to see kind of ted doing something <laughs> we do and i think you sort of see a slight glimmer of that when in season two where she's where karen says to mike he has to pick up two boxes for the hmm. um yard sale and ted sort of being like if it were my coach and he like he's trying to give advice but hmm. like it's mike's just not having it hmm. but I think that, you know, he's sort of, he's realising that Mike is acting out in that yeah. and that he was dealing with grief. Mm. Um, so I don't know, I think that he would be quite interesting to see how things are going to change and, and how Mike is going to react to certain things, you know. I've not seen any information or anything online, so I cannot give an opinion on what I think Mike's storyline will be like. However, if I were to have maybe done that, I would say Mike is probably going to have a very interesting storyline and might be acting out a little bit again as well. So, mm -hmm. but that is just all theoretical because exactly. I have seen nothing. On that kind of note, it's going to be, I think it is interesting with Mike actually because he's the middle child. And I think yeah. we see Ted with Holly. And actually we see Ted with Holly quite a few times. And yeah. it's that kind of real, you know, like he, Holly's the baby. She's kind of the favourite, I guess. Then you've got the Nancy, which is the oldest. So she's expected to act a certain way. So Mike isn't like the forgotten one. But I guess Mike kind of comes with these expectations of he's the son. So, you know, he... You know, he, he has to... I know, I know what point I'm trying to make, but I can't I know it. what you're trying to say. It's almost yeah. like he sort of... He is the only boy he sort of has to represent the family. and Yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And I think that's what we see kind of with you know Ted in season one, where it's like, okay, this is how we have to tie the tie. And it's like, he'll go downstairs and talk to him rather than his mum. And yeah. it's, it's a shame that we've kind of lost we didn't really see that in season two apart from as to that moment where it's like well you know you need to do the two boxes or whatever it was that moment and yeah, yeah it's it's an interesting dynamic because i think actually you see that yeah. with karen as well with mike in a sense we don't really yeah. have many karen and mike scenes no whereas we have karen and holly and we have karen and nancy um but I do think it's interesting to think about them in the context of it is the 80s. Yeah. And like I said, the 80s is not particularly long ago. Like, my brother was born in the 80s. So, like, you know, it's not mm. a whole generation ago. Mm. But it's it was long enough ago that if you were, like, a teenager in the 80s, your parents would have been born in, like, the 50s and, the, yeah. you know, in the 60s. And... and the way that they thought about things were just entirely different and there is a generational difference and you know like I think sort of even my grandparents have different views my parents have different views of, of how things are expected and I think that generations now and and like sort of our generation and generations younger than us sort of really 
in a really amazing way have have said actually do you know what all of that is a load of rubbish and we're just gonna Mm -hmm. sort of do what we want to do and be who we want to be um which I think is how things should be because obviously there was there is still so much intolerance and so much hate but I think that we are really working towards sort of a, a world where that is lessened every day hopefully um but I think obviously this is set in the 80s and and there would have been expectations and there would have been sort of stereotypes and what sort of how people are supposed to act and you know what a girl is supposed to do versus what a boy is supposed to do and there's crappy gender stereotypes which just rubbish and I just think like I definitely think that the way that Ted and Karen are they really really try to be those sort of stereotypes and this sort of you know perfect house with a son which you know acts like this and if he acts out we we it's almost like we have to punish that behavior rather than try and understand where it's coming from and yes Mike shouldn't be you know swearing at teachers but it's like okay we're going to punish that behavior rather than actually try and get him to talk about his feelings because there's a problem you know like Mm. it's oh, okay, you did something wrong, you're in trouble, rather than, why did you do that? Not a, not an excuse, but give me a reason. Mm. Because, you know, like she says, we understand it's been a hard year, but also they're not properly listening to him. No. They're not, he's really struggling and they mm. don't fully notice it. Or they mm. don't want to. They don't want to notice it. Maybe they, they have, but they don't properly want to process it because... It, it sort of comes with that thing of like boys don't have emotions do you know what I mean mm. yeah I think yeah I think that's actually something as well that isn't really addressed about Mike a lot that he did kind of go through a lot in season yeah. one really I mean he saw Elle well he thought he saw her die in front of his mm-hmm. own eyes and Obviously, thought his friend had drowned in a lake, um, only for there to be a parallel dimension um, where they face the demogorgon. Like that's yeah. terrifying. Like you'd have nightmares about that. And like for all of them as well, when they were in the school and the demogorgon is just going around killing everyone around them, and they're sitting in a classroom and just probably hearing the screams of everyone dying. Like that's yeah. The the, the kids need therapy. <laughs> They need people talking to them. And I think actually, you know, that's not really addressed. So it's... And it's not really addressed by any of the parents, which I mean, understandable is because, you know, they're not directly involved. They're probably thinking, okay, it's just stuff going on at school, but... It's only choice, really. Yeah. For obvious reasons, it's only choice. It's choice. But that's the thing, you know, I think... Yeah, I think because she... Though all of those stereotypes, Joyce defies them, and mm. I think that she does. She's not even doing it in like a "I'm not like everyone else" kind of way. It's that I think she's so focused. It's like you said earlier. Karen does what she thinks is right. Joyce does what is right. Yeah. Mm. And she's like, she's like scorned for it. Like the whole town thinks she's some crazy lady. Mm. Um. But she's not. Hmm. she's she's not um and actually i think it it does show in in the way that the kids are no i i think so definitely that even we obviously we will move on to other parents in a way but if we think about like the way that mike is with certain things as well like the way he'll say elements you can tell it's very it's like a very put together kind of attitude um it is with little little things that he's not doing it out of to be mean it's just a thing of well obviously i like the ghostbusters moment i was gonna say the ghostbusters moment is 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 a is a really important one i think because it's it's that sort of that thing of, of trying to be like okay so you fit into this category so you must be this category hmm. whereas actually why do you know what i mean why hmm. why yeah. was he sort of and like I said, I don't think it was malicious, but he he had a box in his mind mm. for Lucas immediately. Mm. And it's one of my favourite moments that Lucas calls him out on it. So like, no, not a chance. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, that's... And that's one, and I think that is probably 
Karen and Ted's influence. Yeah. Should we move on to the buyers? <laughs> should we move on to the buyers or should we move on to like the Sinclairs or something? Do a littler one. Well, we'll do a little one because I think the buyers is going to be... Well, I mean, the wheelers was nearly half an hour. So I think... Um, the Sinclairs. Let's talk about the Sinclairs. Yeah. yeah. Sinclairs are interesting because they're also the only parents that we actually don't have a name for. <laughs> yeah, I want names for them. I really want names for them. I would say let's make some up, but I don't really want to do that. Um, so the... We don't really see them a lot. I wonder if no. we will more in season four, but I don't know. I feel like we're at a point where I don't know how much we will. <laughs> because I think... Yeah. I don't know... Obviously, I genuinely have no idea what Lucas's storyline is going to be. And we've seen the Polaroids that... Uh, was it Stranger... Was it Stranger Things or Stranger Writers posted on yeah, everyone's favourite day? Mm. Um... <laughs> Um, but I don't know if this storyline is going to be needed at this point. Yeah, I guess Erica is having more and more like sort of screen time, isn't she? Which is just delightful. So maybe with that, they'll be in it more. But I would like to see them more, I think, because I really love Mrs. Sinclair's attitude, like with the Ghostbusters scene. So maybe it will sort of fall under under there. And because she will have more screen time. But I really like the way Mrs. Sinclair is with the Ghostbuster scene. Like, that's just, she was just like, I know all the parents were sort of supportive of their kids, but that was like really sweet. Like, that was a really sweet moment. And I love the way she was with that. Um, and then the bit where he asked his dad for advice about Max. And his dad's like, she's never wrong. And and like, I don't know, it was just, it was just sweet. And it sort of seems like a really... It was just a sort of little insight into their family, but it was a nice little insight. And I don't know, I just think it would be quite nice to see more of them because yeah. they seem pretty chill. and They're like a like nice. typical, like, I think I said to you, like, right before, so I feel like a, a sitcom family. Like, you'd expect yeah. to see them on, I was going to say ABC. We don't even have ABC in the UK. But, you know, that, that kind of channel, like ABC Family, like Home of the Sinclairs, that kind of... Oh my God, I want I it. So do I. I let, let's write a letter to the Duffers and be like, excuse me, Erica Sinclair would be family. <laughs> Literally, please. Um, anyway, yeah, they're like no, that kind of little family, it seems. And Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I like them. I just, I do wish we had sort of more information. Like, I don't know why they don't have names. Just Not a clue. Like, even Claudia Henderson Give them names. <laughs> It, it doesn't make any sense. But no, I, I would like to see more of them. I think they're pretty cool. And I, and I like Lucas and Erica. Like, Lucas is one of my favourite members of the party. I think he's really underappreciated. I don't think people actually don't sort of dig deep. I know we dig really deep into people's <laughs> characters in the show, but I don't think people dig as deep as they possibly could with Lucas as a character. And they sort of, I think, brush him off when it comes to, oh, well, he was mean to Earl in season one. And you think, no, he mm. was he was logical. Hmm. when it yeah. came to L in season one yeah um, I mean yeah very if logical anything, Mike was being a bit too trusting really yeah exactly yeah. um and and I get it like you know he's the one that tried to apologize to Will he's the only one that sort of did it like he actively does sort of hold his hands up and be like I was wrong but mm. he also holds other people accountable and says well so were you and you need to sort of apologize for that and I think that he yeah, I think he is really good and, and I love him and Max and I think you can see why he is the way he is mm. when you see those snippets of his parents because they yeah. seem really nice as well. Yeah, um, like even his dad that fighting in... It was Vietnam, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he was in Nam and you can see like the way he is in season one when he goes like full army camo with yeah. everything and just he just... You can see probably how he really looks up to his dad. Yeah. Like, as you said, like, asking for advice on girls and that kind of thing and just kind yeah. of having actually and the fact that to he, do that. And the fact that he asked, like, at the breakfast table mm. in front of his mom, his dad and mm. Erica, like, he was very open about that. And I feel yeah. like you don't see the other... I mean, Will is quite open with Joyce, but, like, you don't see them be as open. Whereas, you know, it was sort of just over breakfast and he was like... Mm. I want some advice and yeah and I think I think it was really sweet and 
I would like to see more of them. Yeah. Well, like yeah, like, like as you said, like you wouldn't see Mike sitting around the breakfast table being like, "So, Mum, I want to talk to you about L." Like, L broke up with me. Uh, what do I do? Do you yeah, know what you I mean? You wouldn't like, see that. It, Even their no. phone calls. I mean, understandably, I wouldn't want like my mum or dad like listening on the phone if I was talking to anyone, but. But obviously the, the way he is as well, where it's just saying, like, get off the phone, get off the phone, and just really, you know, it, it's very dramatic the way he's doing it. I just think yeah, that clearly that, it's not that trust isn't there, because it clearly is, but it's not on the same level where, like, Lucas is just like, Dad, how do I win her over? That kind of attitude. Yeah. And also, like, and, and also Lucas takes the advice. He takes yeah. the advice on board and, like, and does what I would say, like, you know, is the right thing in that situation. However, going to, I don't want to bring up the wheelers again because we spoke with them for ages, but just with that whole conversation, mm. the fact that Karen listened in, mm. don't like it. Yeah. Because I think that's an invasion of privacy. I don't care mm. what it is, you know, you don't listen in to phone mm. calls. And two, the fact that, Mike straight up lies to Elle on the phone and Karen then does not follow up on that information. It's just bizarre. That's just a bizarre <laughs> situation. Like, And also, Karen shouldn't be listening in, but even I know what it sounds like when you used to be on a landline and someone else in the house would pick up the landline at the same time. Mm. You know, come on, Mike. Listen for the... Listen <laughs> Get it for, You hear a click. You hear it happen. Yeah. Um, that used to be a thing. Kids, kids of the kids of now it used to be a used to be an actual thing couldn't use the phone if you were on the computer oh that made to sound so old like when i, I was your age and i had to wait half when an hour i to was open a, a child <laughs> yes but you know and I, I think that sort of shows you know that trust is entirely different karen's listening in on phone calls whereas lucas is at the breakfast table asking straight up for advice mm. so mm. i think it's different uh, it's completely different and i do want to see more of them I would also love to see more of Claudia Henderson because what a woman. What a woman. <laughs> the icon, the myth, the legend. <laughs> Claudia. Um, the fact that she called her replacement, not replacement cat, but she, she called her cat Twos because it was the second... Oh, a legend, an absolute legend. We love her I and also... her choices. <laughs> I know. I also want to know um, where Mr. Henderson is. Yeah, so in the World Stood Upside Down book, that's kind of addressed by Gaten literally just saying, we don't know where he is. So, <laughs> I mean, think on that what you will. Maybe Is he dead? Like... Did he leave? Because he's in season be... one, he's at... He's at Will's funeral, so like you know, season season two, he's just not there. Did he leave? Did he die? Did Claudia murder him? What did they not expect to actually really use Dustin's parents until they thought, oh, yeah, we like def- this that's actress? Definitely, definitely the actual thing. But I think she's really cool. You know, she does sort of act as a little bit of comic relief, but I do really love the way that they are together. I think that they've got a really sweet dynamic, and I, I do sort of, you know, she is sort of invested in what. Dustin is doing and she sort of is she asks him questions and mm. she wants to know about the things that he does and I think she she is really sweet um and also an underappreciated character yeah you can see why Dustin is the way he is looking at his yeah. mum because they kind of as you said they, they really they care a lot about each other and it, it's weird yeah. because at times it's almost like okay now Dustin is like the parent and Claudia is yeah. the child in that sense but they I think it's purely just because they just have that trust and like she doesn't find it weird when he comes in it's like oh yeah this is just my new my new thing and just is going all out as he's creating this box clearly is really supportive over what he's doing by sending him off to science camp which none of the parents actually do send them to camp no no she did that and yeah it's just lovely character more Claudia Henderson in season four, please. <laughs> yeah, Claudia Henderson storming the Hellfire Club. That that's that's it. She's actually the, the, she is the dungeon master. That that's that's her storyline. <laughs> that's her storyline. I just like the idea of like 
because I think that the Hellfire Club is going to be like proper dodge. Like I think stuff's going down. I just love the idea of her like storming in. Like, don't you dare hurt my son. Twos um, in hand. Just twos in hand, ready <laughs> to fight. Um, but absolutely, Dustin is um, is is a contender for a death. So <laughs> what a subject change there. We're just like Claudia and Grey, but absolutely, Dustin is going to die. No, no, but like I feel like that would be really sad to see, like because we'd have to see Claudia sad. It's just, oh, yeah. Like I, I think he is a big contender for one of the ones that will die, and now I'm stressed yeah. because I'll have to see a sad Claudia Henderson. I don't want that. I can't believe that this podcast has become a Claudia Henderson stan account. <laughs> We will make badges and we will sell them. It's just Claudia Henderson fan club. Or that's that's is who like we that. are now. We'll buy us who? Claudia mm-hmm. Henderson. We'll be anyway. like founder and then like... No, I was going to make a joke about twos. It's in like the stack, like this is two of us, but like with the founders. But it didn't work the way Absolutely disgusting. Choose. Absolutely disgusting pun. <laughs> okay. Shall we go on to... What I have literally written in my notes as my queen, lord and saviour, the best parent, my mother, choice bias. Over to you then. Basically, I just love Joyce bias. Really? Uh, Joyce, yeah, very much. Joyce is um, absolutely, as one of the biggest characters in the show is absolutely underrated as a character in the show that Mm. show would not thrive the way that it does if we did not have Joyce Byers she Mm. is the only one with her head on straight like she is the only one who actually pays attention to what is going on in that town and Mm. tries like everyone else accepts things and she's like absolutely not I'm gonna fight for this and Mm. I think that is in every episode that is in every season you she knows something is wrong and people laugh at her they don't take her seriously they don't listen they just dismiss her and she's like no absolutely not and she fights and fights and fights and fights and she is my favorite i love her i genuinely she's one of my favorite characters and i was talking about this a little bit before we started filming in uh, um i also love winona ryder and I read an interview with her back in 2017 and they were talking to her about, first of all, like it, the concept sort of annoyed me because it was sort of suggesting that she said, people sort of say to her, how did you play a parent without being a parent? Because mm. like, you can't relate. And it's like, well, you know. Um, so I didn't sort of like that, but she talks about how she spoke to her mum a lot and sort of got advice from her mum. But she also said, I don't have a child and I will never be able to properly understand what it's like to have a child. But she said, I do have a niece. And the quote is something like, and I was willing to throw myself in front of a car for this human mm-hmm. that I didn't even know. And I have my niece and my nephew and that's exactly what it feels like. Like, I also don't know what it's like to be a parent, mm-hmm. but I have, you know, I have my niece and nephew and I would do anything for them like literally anything and I think that that really comes across when she plays Mm. Joyce I think that sort of desperation of like the most important people on this planet are my children Mm. that really sort of comes across and that that sort of drive and love is really really there there um and um, yeah, that is my essay on why Joyce Byers is the best. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. And I think that's kind of really like reflected in Will and Jonathan as well, because yeah. even though like, obviously in season one, Jonathan tries to say to her, like, look, he's dead, like, you know, move on. There is still, you can kind of see how he, not that he doesn't quite believe it himself, but as soon as he just sees one strange thing, so to speak, um he is just very much like no okay we're investigating this we're dealing with it we need to figure out what's going on and like the way she is with will even before everything that's happened and just the way just encouraging and it's very much like oh well we need to get this new thing for you because they can't be doing that and you can really tell that they've got just that mutual 
trust like when he speaks in season three when she's like just you just need to go and be safe he's like i'm not worried about me i'm worried about you and i just think what a pairing what a concept and in that moment (laughs) in that moment she knew she could die yeah she knew that she might not come back yeah and i just but it was still like she needed him to be safe and and just the whole way that they, they are, you know, and I know it obviously sort of is, you know, Winona and Noah mm. and the way that they portray these characters, which is phenomenal. Mm. But just the way that they are written as well, like, it's so good. They they just feel so, like, the most important thing is each other. Yeah. And I think we don't talk enough about how Will is with his mum no. and how how she is just always 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 in his corner it's just it's it is it's encouragement all the time you know they you talk about sort of the rainbow ship and putting the pictures up and her telling everybody every day you know my son did this look at it mm. um and just this like consistent thing and like that moment where she i always think it's a really it's never really mentioned because it's so small but when bob first comes into malvolds at the start of season 1 mm. um she's sewing yeah the ghostbusters thing onto mm. his uniform yeah it's onto his costume it's not like a bought costume yeah. or something like that she is hand sewing the ghostbusters mm. logo onto that costume yeah and i just think that no one talks about that no one talks about that like she is just there working mm. And so, like, oh, my God, I just love her so much. I love her. I love her so much. Even in, on, on the, like, that note then, like, even that moment in season one when she's saying about what Lonnie used to call him and her fir- first instinct when Hopper is like, well, is he? He's like, he's missing. That's what he is. Just yeah. that kind of thing. It's like, we won't get yeah. into that side of discussion of things. We've spoken about it before. But, like, even in that moment, so that she just doesn't, She's just so proud, whatever. Like, her only focus is he could be, I don't know, he could be purple, he could be, like, yeah. a dancing elephant, whatever. Does it, it doesn't matter. matter. He's missing. That's Does what it matters. Yeah. yeah. Literally. Mm. Like, and I think, even the way she says that, I think, I don't know if I've said it on here before, um, but the way she says it is, like, she doesn't want to say it. Yeah. Mm. Um almost it's like I'm describe I'm saying what he used to say but she she doesn't actually say it out loud does she she sort of she says it, says but it's, it. it yeah it's like whispered it's not proper and I think I I feel like that's something which isn't spoken about you know because those words are unfortunately still thrown around but they were thrown around a lot hmm. in the 80s um and just I don't know I think I feel like her attitude is just completely different Mm. to everyone else's even hopper and like hopper definitely hopper is also one of my favorites and i think his attitudes do change and he's aware that things are also shady but Mm. even him in the beginning he doesn't believe her you know Mm. she's there like begging and saying Mm. like you are wasting your time doing this and this and this because he there is something going on with will and you Mm. need to figure this out and i do I, i think i just don't think she gets credit that she deserves at all Mm. no who i will bring into this as well then actually i will bring jonathan into this as yes a parent in that aspect that we will get on to everyone's favorite character lonnie um but jonathan really i can't remember the exact dates i think it's been said when he left when he was five when will was five will was six will was five or six or something like that yeah that yeah Jonathan, to be honest, had to pretty much just step into that role just immediately. And you can tell how that's affected Will as well. Because I think with, you know, I'll, I'll bring Lonnie into it. Because I think a point about Lonnie is that, I thought this out, it's almost like Will was almost that kind of, not that second chance. Because with Jonathan, it was that same kind of attitude. Like he was, he was sensitive. He didn't want to kill the rabbit or that kind of thing. And he forced him to do it, but he didn't want to. And... It wasn't right. That's so it was disgusting. Like, yeah. It was like with Will, it was almost like that. Okay, well, if he won't do it, he will. And I think Will had kind of that mentality of, 
well, I have to because I need to impress my dad and do that. So have Jonathan, who lived through that, come and say to him, essentially, you don't have to like things because people told you you're supposed to and do that. Mm. And I think all the David Bowie and his name's gone from my head. Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers. That's it. The Bowie and Kenny Rogers scenario is like, well, you know, being a freak's the best. You say like that kind of attitude and just that positive reaffirmation. And I think Jonathan's got that from Joyce, though. Yeah. And it's probably what he wanted from Lonnie. And yeah. if he didn't get that, he's going to make sure that Will does. And I yeah. think people... I think people obviously talk about Jonathan Byers and those moments, but I don't think they talk about actually how much that's meaningful for someone to hear, yeah. especially as someone that... I do think, think I think a lot of people will talk about Lonnie and how he's affected Will, but I don't think people will really talk about how Lonnie has actually affected Jonathan. Yeah. And yeah, it's 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 an interesting discussion. It it is an interesting one, and I definitely think that Jonathan is is like that second parent to Will. He mm. he has been this whole time. You know, they left and and even you know, Jonathan was a kid himself and he's like, Okay, yeah. so let's go do something, let's go build castle buyers, let's go do that so that it distracts you, you know. And he's mm. always there helping with when the, when they were fighting, when Joyce and Lonnie were fighting and you know, when Lonnie didn't show up to take him places and mm. you know, it, it's always Jonathan that's there being the reassuring one. It's Jonathan that's there that's also working so that he yeah. can help Joyce out and mm. you know I like the idea that, you know, Will's maybe sort of... It, it's not even something that Will has to sort of worry... Not mm. not worry about, but, like, sort of Jonathan's got it covered, you know? Jonathan's yeah. got them covered because he's the one that helps Joyce. Yeah. Um, and I just think it, he is... It isn't spoken about how he sort of stepped into that role. Mm. And, I mean, we see in season one, Lonnie throws him up against the wall. Like, he's a physical yeah. i don't think it was just like verbal i think there are some physical aspects to it as well um he is literally mm. like trash he is mm. a dumpster fire is what lonnie buyers is i mm. hate the guy like that's his kids and he's mm. just calling them slurs and names and mm. being like oh I don't even think he deserves to, like, be considered a parent in this discussion because, like, what parent is like that? Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. if that's how you treat your kids, and I know people do, and I know there are awful, you know, but, mm. like, you are you are awful. You are an awful human being. Mm. I would be interested with, if they go, because, I mean, there's been speculation about the flashback routes and things like that with season four. I'll be interested to know if we will see what he was actually like. As a parent, because for be a while there must have been, surely there must have been something. And I don't know, maybe it was, as I said, like Jonathan didn't, it sounds mean to say he didn't quite work out in his mind. But do you know what I mean? That Was there a time where he was like, no, Jonathan is my child and I love him, that kind of thing? Or was it just purely yeah. something, you know, it's not clicking? I. It will be interesting. Says- he says, doesn't he? He says, my parents must have loved each other at some point, but I wasn't around for that part. Yeah. That, that's the thing and as well. Think, then, so so. As, as long as he can remember, that's what Lonnie was like. Yeah. So it was probably at least and until he was like, what? Four? four. Three, four? Yeah. Yeah. And you just think, well, yeah, what sort of was that? And I think we can, we can say, because the table read, which is available on mm. YouTube, mm. um, I, I, his his name has gone from my head, but the guy that plays Lonnie, he he was at the table read, mm. um, so he is in the show. But whether it's as a current thing or a lot of people have theorized like flashbacks with him, possibly. Yeah. Um, I would be interested to see what that entails, but I do kind of like the idea of Will sort of confronting him, you know, because we've seen we have seen Jonathan confront him, whereas mm. like. Lonnie cared more about money than Mm. the fact that his son was dead. And he only came to give Joyce that support because he thought he could get some money. And he manipulated Joyce when she was in a really vulnerable position and a really emotional position. Mm. And did he even call when they found out Will was alive? Does he even know Will is alive? Yeah. 
And the fact that we don't know the answer to that, he's supposed to be his dad, and we don't mm. know the answer to that. Mm. He's trash. The literal trash bag mm. is what he is. Yeah. So I, I am interested to see if he does uh, pop up in season four and what that would entail. But mm. yeah, Jonathan is more his dad than... Uh, yeah. Like, well, absolutely. And there we go. Shall we talk about the final main parent who also has acted more as uh, Will's dad, arguably, than Lonnie ever did? Yeah, why Why not? Let's finish on a high Jim note. Jim Hopper. <laughs> Jim Hopper. Um, it, also one of my favourite characters, like I said, but his role as parent in the show is a really, really complicated one. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting because we sort of see flashbacks of him with Sarah and then we see him with Elle, but also in between those two things, we see a man who is a parent, but who has lost his child. So he is just a grieving parent. So we go mm. from these flashbacks to a grieving parent to a new parent with an entirely different child, with an entirely different situation. Mm. And I think we see such a complicated mm. exploration of Hopper as a parent. I think it, it, it's a really complex one. Mm. within the show no yeah i agree it's it is interesting to think about as well especially i think like as you said there's moments when he's talking about sarah and talks about her like she's still alive yeah and it's like oh yeah she won't she she's not in your class or or, like, or she won't be in your class or something like she that li- she lives with her mum in the city yeah yeah it's that kind of thing and it's it's almost like i think i actually wrote in my notes that L was kind of his his second chance essentially and you kind of see that as he gives her the bracelet and you know it's the mantle has been not not so the mantle's been passed on that's the wrong thing saying that it raises Sarah but like they they need each other and I think actually looking at even Elle and Hopper in season two and towards the end of that season actually when they have when she arrives back and she's like, where have you he's like, where have you been? Like, where have you been? And then even though A man like, in know, a truck? Yeah. And like <laughs> they have that hug kind of moment. And you think, you know, they they need that. And even though he hasn't had her for long, essentially, she's taken on his influence so much just in those few moments. Yeah. I mean, he's taught her pretty much everything. Yeah. Like, I mean, Mike and taught her it... small bits, but Hop's one has been like, yeah. This is how we're gonna learn how to do things now. We're gonna, you know, this is how essentially we're gonna stay safe. How we're gonna do that? How we're gonna do that? So it's 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 yeah. really interesting to look at them too. And I think especially at the end of season three, where they kind of have that really kind of turbulent relationship, I guess, throughout the season. Um, but then in that last moment when she notices that he's gone, and it's just like. And yeah, because that that is, like that's her dad. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm. and I think one of my favorite moments is actually in season two when he says about Sarah, mm. and she says, "Who's Sarah?" And he says, "My that's my girls." And and mm. the way that he tells her, and you sort of you can look on the look on Al's face when she says, "Oh, gone." Mm. She's like, "Yeah." Mm. Um, but again, like passing down the the bracelets, like I think Sarah is with Hopper every single day of his yeah. life. He, he never moves on from that. He, mm. he, how could you? You know, how could you? Grief is such a complex and tricky thing, and I can't even fathom what it must be like mm. to lose a child. So, but that's what I like about it is that that's never really forgotten. Like yeah. the bracelet, wearing that, giving it to Elle, like she is there all the time. Sarah is with him all the time. Hmm. And the fact that out of all of those parents that knew about Elle's existence, he's the one that tries to get her to hmm. come to him and be safe. And he's the one that gives her a home and, hmm. you know, looks after her. And that moment where she says, I can fight. And he's like, I know you can, but I hmm. need you to be safe. Yeah. And it, it is that sort of, it, I think he, he is a different parent than he is with Elle than he would have been with Sarah, but he's had such a journey in between and he's still sort of on that that journey Mm. and that sort of exploration and i just think 
he's it's so complex his sort of role as parent in the show mm. um david harbour did a live stream recently that we both watched and they said about him as um and, and he was talking about hopper in season four and he said about the journey that he's on because he sort of was a parent and then lost her child well you know he's a parent but he lost a child and then he had l and became a father again but completely different and now he's sort of a, a prisoner and it's it's who he's sort of becoming with that so i'm interested to see what happens after mm. that mm. um because i feel like their relationship can only be better because i feel like they both know what it's like to have lost the other one yeah and now if they can have it have it, that back mm. it'll be really important so yeah. i am interested I, I i do think he's really complex and it's why season three was like why aspects of season three weren't my favorite because mm. it changed sort of his dynamic a little bit you know it, it was sort of yeah mm. but yeah it's i i have my issues with season three so i'm not going to go into it here um but in the previous seasons as well, it's not just Elle that he's like it with, that we see it, even with Jonathan, when they're in the... Yeah. It's not the funeral home, it's when Joyce goes in to look at the Will's morgue. body. The morgue, that's the word I'm looking for. The morgue. Mortuary. Morgue. Is it morgue? Mortuary. What, I was going to say mortuary. Either, both. Was, yeah, anyway. Both there, work, I think. Yeah, and he has that conversation with Jonathan, and it's just that nice, like, nice little... It's almost like he's been that father figure to him then... So you can see that it's still it's still ingrained in him. And then in season two with Will and that he's meeting him at the lab and whether it to be like to keep the lab under control or not. But even those moments there when they're going along and he's like, yeah, come on, how are you doing? And that kind of thing. And you look like you're going to have I... a point. <laughs> yeah, no, I just want to say that. Um, so when I've, I've watched season two, I've said this to Emily like multiple times over the past week because I literally can't stop thinking about it. Um, because it literally has set me off. I still don't um, know how you never but... noticed this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, basically, um, without getting too much into it, I have, have um, gone d a bit deaf, so um, I am potentially getting some hearing aids, and I now use subtitles for everything. Um, and recently was the first time I rewatched season two properly, um, since all of this has happened and I have watched it with subtitles, which was new. Um, so the scene in, um, when they first go into the lab and Owen says, mom, I always thought she said, mom, hop, right? Cause it sounds similar, but she doesn't. She says, he says, mom, pop. So he refers to Hopper as Will's dad. So my conclusion in this is that they have not, this is not the first time they have been to the lab. Arguably with the way that Hopper is, it's not the first time Hopper has also attended with them. So Joyce and Hopper have been allowing Owens to think that Hopper is Will's dad this entire time and have not corrected him. And I just feel like there's a significance to that, which no one's talking about. <laughs> That's just me. Oh, there, there we go. There, so, there we go yeah there's definitely a thing to that um and obviously it ties in a little bit with my favorite theory that um hopper is jonathan's dad but that's that's a different time we, we've already spoken about that we have i can't remember the name of the video i think it's just we, we, we did a random day didn't we just picked out theories like we're going to talk about this yeah it was it was, it was an episode it, but yeah, yeah. i I, I do like him as a parent and, and I think those instincts are always there. He he is like it with Jonathan a lot, actually. He does talk to Jonathan a lot about things. Hmm. Um, and I just, I think he, he's really complex as, as a character and particularly as a parent. So I'm hmm. excited to see more of that when they hopefully get him out of wherever he is. Yeah. And when they properly unite the Byers Hopper family. Family and then Joyce and Hopper get married, no one dies, and they live happily ever after in a normal, non alternate dimension. Thank you for listening to episode 20. 
six of the Hawkins Do Coffees podcast. Yeah, you can catch us once again on Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Stitcher at Hawkins Do Coffee. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Hawkins Podcast, and on Tumblr at hawkinsdoyoucoffee.tumblr.com, and on YouTube at Hawkins Do You Coffee. And we will see you guys next week. Over and out.